I greet you in Jesus' name on this super Sunday. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Yes. Praise the Lord. How many want to know who's going to win the game today? <laughs> I don't have a clue. Hallelujah. So you'll have to ask somebody else. Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet two or three people say, you're sure looking good on this rainy day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, friends, it really is a treat for Heidi and I to be here, and uh, we are so privileged to have uh, Pastor Mark with us a little over a week ago down in Southern California for our 30th anniversary ministry conference, and a blessing to have him there. Praise the Lord. Uh, your pastors have been very, very dear friends uh, to Heidi and I, and of course, this great congregation. So. Thanks for uh, sharing the love. Thanks for being who you are. Thanks for being planted in this place. And uh, thank, uh, thank you for uh, your graciousness today. I know uh, I'm privileged to minister tonight. I do know there's a Super Bowl. Uh, you have liberty, you know. So if you have a Super Bowl party with family and friends, you go have a good time. There's no condemnation. Uh, but if you do come tonight, I will be preaching. We'll have the game on the screens while I'm preaching. <laughs> How many believe that would be a good idea? Hallelujah. Yeah. <clears throat> the preacher, for one, thinks it'd be a good idea. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I like the rain today. It's, uh, it's nice, huh? See, the rain, the rain will dust you off to show you really how good you look. See, uh, God's opinion of you is clean. But we're in a world system that sometimes dirties us up. And most times we judge ourselves from the exterior, from the flesh realm. But the Bible says you're created in righteousness, in true holiness. So your spirit is recreated with the life of God, the nature of God. And so sometimes the washing of the water of the word will bring you a revelation of the cross. It gives you a revelation really how good you look. To God. See, Jesus is God's opinion of you. Amen. And until you know that and believe that, you'll never enjoy your own company because you'll never believe you're good to God. You'll always put you in the equation to qualify. And I tell you, that gets exhausting. And so the beautiful thing is to take your place in your accepted position in the beloved and rest in his love for you and keep letting the water of his love and life wash over you. When you awake to your righteousness, you then not sin. Then the dust can't settle as often or as heavy. People make fun of me because I don't clean my car very often. I'm traveling all the time. And so sometimes my car may go weeks or a couple of months before it's cleaned. And so uh, I have one pastor friend. He washes his car like every four days. It's always polished and buffed. <laughs> And it looks good. So he'll pull up next to my car and he says, wow, you really washed your car, Keith. It looks, uh, looks really good. It's all, you know, he's, he's making fun of me. But then when it rains real hard, <clears throat> I say, I told you I had a clean car. Hallelujah. <clears throat> See, when, when you understand the heart of how you look before the Father, you'll understand the invitation he gives you to hang out. 
to come and dine and you don't have to draw away. This is why I like missions. This is why I go to the world. And this is why Heidi and I are honored to celebrate 30 years of mutual faith. And it was a great honor to have your pastor there with us. So um, we have a little magazine in the back. There's one for every one of you. So uh, get it. A picture of Heidi and I in Zimbabwe, Africa about 31 years ago. Or 30 years ago, actually, when we started in ministry and we were living overseas. So you'll like it. Also, a lot of things about what you've been through just because you're planted in this place. Also, I have another gift for you that I'm going to tell you about at the end. It's a book. And it's free. No strings attached. It's my newest book. It came out a week ago. It's called The Value of the Treasure. See, the treasure that you're good to God because of the Lamb is like, you got to be kidding me. It takes all the pressure off your life because it's the reign of the love of the Father through the living word, Jesus himself, that shows you you're good to God because of the Lamb. And so this little book, I'm going to teach you some things today as we really dine and feast on the Father's love. Some things God gives you are hard to swallow. So you're going to have to use your faith. Otherwise, just pass the plate. Don't worry about it. Just, just pass the plate. It'll come around again. You know, it'll come around again. But there's certain things the Father really wants to clarify to our hearts just to help us know we're good Amen. to God because of the Lamb. And if you can understand that equation through the cross, then everything about your life can work very, very well. But before I uh, teach today, uh, I'm going to teach up until kickoff time. What time is kickoff time? <laughs> <laughs> I know some of you got really nervous. <laughs> Said, dear God, where's the exit? No, no, no I'm just going to preach joy. But I got, I got something you, that you can chew on, you can feed on, okay? It's going to bless you. You're going to slap yourself side to head and say, thank God I went to church. Thank God for the lamb. You're going to enjoy who you are in him today. So you bless. So let me show you first what you've been doing around the world. Let's watch this quick video. For the past 30 years, Mutual Faith Ministries has been able to share God's great unconditional love, favor, and ability to the four corners of the earth. From Africa to Asia, from Latin America to Europe, and across the USA, we have continued to impart charisma and raise up national teams of mission leaders to give life away. And now, we are thrilled to have acquired the new Life Center USA, a campus to raise up a new generation of leaders for evangelism and world missions. Indeed, we are very grateful to God for what he has done throughout the past three decades, but we also have great hope too, as well as great joy and anticipation for what he is doing right now and will continue to do in the coming years. Thanks for joining your faith with us. Together, we are impacting our world with the treasure of God's great love and acceptance. And always remember, because of Jesus and what he has done, you can be assured that God loves you completely, and we do too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many, how many of you like that little mullet swing at the end? That did you ever see anything so beautiful? <laughs> I keep threatening Heidi that I'm going to grow my mullet again. 
and she refuses to be seen with me with a mullet. And I say, Heidi, God loves you still. No, I don't say that. I say praise Well, You know, uh, it's been great, though, all these years, and it's amazing. 30 years have passed, but uh, we're delighted. And, of course, you all have been a vital friend for, for many or most of those years. And so we're very, very grateful. So get a magazine you saw in there about our new campus, Life Center USA. I think I told you about it last time I was here in the fall. It's, uh, it's closed. It's a done deal. It's just amazing to me, really, what the Lord has done. We closed escrow on December 6th. It's 23,363 feet. It's awesome. Let me tell you a little story. I told this to your pastor. Uh, it was a foreclosed building, and uh, it was trying to be bought by a group of Muslims for a mosque. Uh, a developer was in escrow, uh, going to knock everything down, and then God shut that door and opened it to us. And so it was really a kind of a, a crazy season, and, but we got the deal. Hallelujah. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm trying to get a permanent loan. I got swing loan money just to close the deal on December 6th with the courts. And God did a miracle to get 2350000 in our hands that I've borrowed from people. Now I'm trying to get a loan that I'll have this month in February. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm leaving the country. <laughs> <No>. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get this loan. But let me tell you a little story that made my heart happy. We just had it appraised. You need to, appraisals for the banks and all. We paid $2.35 million at a price for $4.25 million. Isn't that good? Yeah. So our margins are going to be good, and we're grateful. Just give the Lord one more shout of praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. We're so grateful and so thankful. Well, you know, you do look good to God. I, I always tell people that God loves you completely. I always say God's got nothing on you, whether you like it or not. It's hard to believe because God doesn't see you for you. He sees you through the work of the cross, through the lens of the Lamb. The love of the Lamb has covered you. Your faith gets you out of yourself and puts you in Him. The in Him message, the in Christ message, is the message of the new covenant. That's why you need to meditate on Paul's teachings and writing, because it was the revelation God gave Paul to have an inclusive message for the whole world, everyone, everywhere. Peter... And the apostle to the Jews didn't always get that message. In fact, we're going to show you in a teaching today how God had to show him how to uh, change his thinking. He had to repent. He had to continually change his mind to the message of the Lamb and not the message of individuals. Because if you're looking to individuals, you'll always miscalculate them because you're always going to see them through their exterior. You're going to know people according to the flesh. But the Bible teaches us we should know no man according to the flesh. We should know everybody by the, 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 the inner man and even Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to share something with you. Even Peter the apostle had to change his thinking years into his ministry and recalibrate. And God had to do it in a way that was dramatic. God had to knock him out. God had to sedate him. So he could feed on the love of the lamb. God always wants you to come to the table. He wants you to sit with him. He wants you to dine with him. Most people don't like to get close because they think God's got something against them and they have to qualify to sit. But see, the invitation is to come and dine. I think there's a little uh, screen uh, picture of, of coming and dining. This is really the the assignment God's given me for the year. This was our conference theme for 30 years. It's an invitation for celebration, but it's really an invitation for reconciliation. It's to tell you how clean you are. It's to put you in a place where you receive the water of the word. You say, my goodness, I clean up good. 
Because God doesn't see you according to the exterior. He sees you through the love of the Lamb, through the finished work. And this is where if you can awake to your righteousness, then you don't get quite as dirty anymore. You, you sin not, the Bible teaches. But the key is to awake to a righteous position that's not established by you. It's awakening to a righteousness that's established by him. It's a gift. Like I'm going to give you a gift today called the book. There's no strings attached. You can't, you can't give a dollar for it or 50 cents for it or nothing for it. It's a gift. It's not a gift if there's a string attached. The gift of righteousness is simply that it's a gift. It's a righteousness which is by faith. All you have to do is be bold enough to say yes or amen. You, you receive it through your, your, your faith. Faith receives what Jesus has done. So you have an invitation. The Father's heart toward you is one of love and acceptance. But can you believe it? See, most people struggle with this. Because most people still are addicted to somehow being in the equation before the Father and hoping and just to pray and that they're good enough and did enough or whatever enough. But thank God for the message of unconditional love and acceptance through the cross. And this is what Jesus has done for the whole world. So you have an invitation for fellowship. Revelations 3.20 says it this way. This is kind of a famous verse that you all know. Behold. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So you and I have a standing invitation for fellowship. We have access. God wants to celebrate you as you are, not as you need to be. So you think you're too dirty to come close, but the, the father knows the, 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 the washing of the living word Jesus Christ close to him shows you your true identity. See, Jesus is really your true origin in the Father. Jesus is your identity before the Father. And so the washing of the word is going to get all the dust, the sin, the things of the world, all this stuff, and your acceptance before the Father, faith now to see who you are in Christ now is going to change the way you live. But you have to see it. And the best way you see it is in, in a relational concept called coming and dining or fellowship. So Jesus gives an invitation for you to hang out with him. Have you ever been invited to a meal and you know you're like scared to go? Like you think it's a meal of condemnation or job? I remember I had a job. One of my first jobs I had was uh, uh, with, a, with an organization. I remember when I was invited with the executive director to go to, to, go to lunch. I was a nervous wreck. You know, because I thought he was going to nip, pick me apart, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I'm, I'm nervous at the meal the whole time because you just don't know what's going to happen with the guy. There's, there's no joy in that kind of uh, celebration. When, when, when you dine with the father, it's nothing but his view of you in the lamb. So you can sit still. I remember when I was young and I was invited in Lansing, Michigan with all these big shots. And I was just a kid. I was, I don't know, 16 or something, 17 maybe. I was the only kid there. And the head, the big dog, had me sit next to him at this big table. He put me at ease. He, he made sure I was comfortable. He celebrated me. He saw potential in me. God sees you not the way you see yourself. And until you see yourself before the Father, accepted in the Lamb, you'll never enjoy the meal. Amen. 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 
It'll always be harsh in hard, but the Father wants you to feed, and He wants you to feed on the land. Are you all having a good time? <laughs> Look at this. This is not a heavy meal. It's not a meal of condemnation. It's not a meal of fault finding. It's not a meal of nitpicking. It's not a meal of judgment. It's a meal that will heal you because it gives you a view of you before the Father that is astonishing. It's the kind of love and grace and mercy that has no strings attached. It's an unconditional capacity. It has no merit-based system with you attached to it. That's why I enjoy it. That's really why I enjoy the love of the Father in Christ. It's not a merit-based game. I don't have to be goody two-shoes to qualify. You know, as nice of a guy as I am, and I'm still quite nice. Heidi, please say amen. I'm a wonderful man. But as nice of a guy as I am, I still am imperfect in this flesh case. I still get angry. You know, the Bible says you can be angry and sin not. I get angry and sin. You know, I say things I shouldn't say at times. I do things sometimes out of fear and no faith around. I get overwhelmed. So whatever is not a faith is it. So I'm trying to tell you in my humanity, I still have sin in my flesh that periodically surfaces. Now, I wish it did, but I'm just trying to show you that my position still before the Father is not based on me. And on my best day, I can't qualify based on me. And on my worst day, I can't unqualify because of me. I'm qualified simply because of the love of the Lord. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, come to me, all you are loaded up. Huh? He didn't say all of you that are loaded, but I guess that, uh, that would work as well. Listen, he, he invites those who are loaded down or loaded up, right? Those who uh, have burdens, he said, I'll give you rest. The invitation to come and dine is a peace point because you get you out of the equation and now you sit with him and your invitation really has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the work of one, the obedience of one, Jesus Christ. And you just got to have the confidence. See, when you look to the Lamb, faith is now present to believe. That's why to get faith to function, always look to the Lamb. If you're trying to have great faith, just take time having communion. Look to the Lamb. Keep telling yourself, I'm good to God because of the Lamb. Faith will rise in your spirit and you'll start doing crazy things by faith. You will stun yourself with the, with, the, with the faith of God and the love of God. Amen. It's awesome. John 21, 12 said this. Jesus said to them, this, by the way, was after his rising, after his risenness from the dead. He said, come and dine. Come and dine. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him who you are, knowing it was the Lord. See, what an invitation. Are you bold enough to sit at the table? Now, I'm going to put some things on the table today that are going to be hard to swallow. Now, people always ask me, Keith, you travel all over the world preaching. You have campuses all over the world. You know, a lot of times they ask me what, what I have had to eat, you know. There's been a lot of th- times in traveling over 70 nations preaching where you're sitting at a table and stuff comes your way. And you don't know if it's roadkill, you know. 
you honestly don't know what it is. So sometimes to be polite, I'll put a little on my plate and kind of move it around, but never really eat it. That's what a good hypocrite can do. Hallelujah. You put a little, but you, you never, you never take it in. Sometimes I just pass the plate. I say, oh, thanks. I just got enough now. Bless you. You know, because I can't see myself diving in. See, some things are hard to swallow. Heidi and I, those early pictures you saw in the video, uh, one of them was in this part of Africa. I remember I was telling the first service, remember that, Heidi? We're out in the bush sleeping in this hut. Heidi was in her best mood in a hut. (laughs) If you want to see my wife happy, stick her in the bush with a bunch of bugs. The joy of the Lord just bubbles all over her. She begins to dance and twirl in the spirit. You got to see that by faith. No, anyway, anyway. So we're in this hut, and I'm never, they honored us for being there. And we had like this whole village there for this day of teaching. And I, 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 I taught everything I knew in the morning sessions. I was thinking, dear Lord, what can I say in the afternoon? You know, I mean, I was just getting exhausted. I had nothing else to say. I thought I'd just teach the same thing. Anyway, we're sitting there having like a drink or a water or something, and they, the chief wanted to honor, so he brought, brings a cow. Said, we want to we give you this cow. And I'm sitting about where Heidi, Heidi and I are sitting together about that far away, and they bring us a I said, wow, that's wonderful. Thank you, you know, appreciate the cow. And they said, can we, can we have it, you know, for a meal and feed the whole village? I said, that, yeah, let's feed everybody. That would be awesome. And they proceeded to butcher the cow right in front of us. They butchered the cow right there. And uh, my wife really got filled with the joy of the Lord. Anyway, they put all this stuff in big pots. Remember that meal, Heidi? They, they cook it all up. And there's like, I don't know if they're eyeballs or what, what they're eating. You never know, but everything's together. They put it on Heidi's plate, and to be polite, she took a bite. And then she headed toward the bushes. (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord was upon her. Hallelujah. (laughs) She moved like lightning, huh? (laughs) Now, I don't know what it is, but what I'm trying to say is sometimes you've been in environments where, you know, the broccoli comes and you say, I'm not a broccoli guy, and you pass it. Sometimes to come and dine with the Father, He's going to show you something about his love for you in Christ that you can't understand with your natural mind. You got to receive it by faith. And sometimes it's very hard to swallow. Some of you, after I teach today, you say, you got to be kidding me. Some of you might say, Keith, you've gone mad. But just pass the plate. You, you, You don't have to feed it on it. But I promise you it'll come to you again. The Lord in his love for you will keep bringing something about the cross back by you to deliver you from you. And he wants to eventually get you out of your own equation so you're, you're no longer disappointed with you for being you. And then what he's going to do is eradicate every bit of judgment you have toward others because you're seeing others according to the filth of their flesh and not through the cleanliness that the rain will bring. And so I want to show you something to put on your plate. If you want to eat it, dig in. If you don't, just pass the plate. No worries. 
But I know one thing, through it all, you're going to be loved because you're at the table. And you're going to see how good God is to you. So you have an invitation. Are you bold enough to respond? It requires faith to believe that you're accepted in his presence. I tell you, it's thrilling to me. It's astonishing to me. It's amazing. This is why Jesus loves us to see him and know him, not just according to his life, but according to his death. When you come and dine with the Father, it's going to all be about the lamb. You're going to feed on the roasted lamb. You're going to feed on the body of Jesus. You're going to feed on the blood of Jesus. That's what the Father feeds. He'll feed not on the life of Jesus. He'll feed you on the death of Jesus. See, most people only know Jesus according to natural things. I always tell people, if you just study Jesus according to his teachings, per se, some of his teachings, or just according to his miracles, it'll give you a craving for the Father because you'll know that God is good to you. See, the life of Jesus paints a picture of the will of God in the earth, that God is good to you. And it gives you a craving to figure out how do you position yourself to receive miracles and things like that. And then people, people go for it. But that doesn't necessarily transform you. See, the love of God for you isn't fully revealed in the life of Jesus. The love of God is fully demonstrated to you in the death of Jesus. Amen. That's why the cross is the key. It's the key in the equation of the new covenant. That's why Paul said, I know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why the revelation of your position before the Father, even though outwardly you're dirty, from the Father's perspective, you're clean because he sees you through the lens of the Lamb. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is when you feed on the Lamb of God, when you feed on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, now you not just know that God is good to you, you know that you are good to God. See, the equation switches when you understand the death of Jesus versus the life of Jesus. That's why for me, the focus on the death of Jesus has to anchor everything I teach and everything I believe. Otherwise, I'll misinterpret myself before the Father. I'll misinterpret people before the Father. And I'll misinterpret really what Jesus has done. And so it's important to feed on the death of Jesus. Jesus kind of explained this, in fact, in Luke 24. You know, this story, I preached a little bit last time I was here. This is on the day of Jesus' risenness from the dead. The same day he was raised from the dead, he joined two of his disciples in a journey. Remember that on the road to Emmaus? And as he walks with them, they look at him, but they don't know who he is. They see him, but are clueless. They see him according to his flesh, his physicalness. See, the joy of the Father now, and the joy of Jesus, isn't for you to just see him according to his life. It's to see him according to his death. So they were full of complaining. They were sad. They were sorrowful. They said to Jesus, didn't you hear what just happened in Jerusalem? They're talking about the crucifixion. So what did Jesus do? He didn't say, hey, guys, it's I. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He preached to them his first new covenant message. He took the law, he took Moses, he took Psalms, and he took the prophets. He took the old system to bring a revelation of the new system. He preached concerning himself. He took the pictures of the past that painted the revelation of the cross and the inclusion of you and me before the Father in him, and he tried to bring a revelation of who he was. Now, as he preached, they still didn't get it. But it says their heart got strangely warm. 
So it warms people up to have them stop and pause and think, you got to be kidding me. And so Jesus got exhausted a little in his journey because they still couldn't get it. And so he sat down with them, and the Bible says he had a meal. Come and dine. You know what he did? He broke bread. When he broke bread, he, it's, it's a, a, a typology you know, of, of communion. When you break bread, when you take the cup, you show forth the Lord's death. Jesus was preaching his death. And when he broke bread, suddenly the Bible said their eyes were open. And they knew it was the Lord. See, Jesus wants you to see him in his death. Look at it says in those verses, uh, Luke 24, verse 30 and 31. Now it came to pass... As he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, gave it to them. Then their eyes were open. They knew him. He vanished from their sight. Notice, as soon as they knew him in his death, he split. That's the great joy Jesus has is when you and I know him not according to his life, but according to his death. When you know him according to his life, you know God is good to you. When you know Jesus according to the death or the cross, you know that you are good to God. You're good to God because of the Lamb. And when they got that love saturated them, they got happy and he split. And then they started telling everybody, read the whole story there, it's amazing. Look at it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you all still glad you're here? Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now this this may be hard to swallow too, but just, just, just let me read it. It says, Jesus died for all, and those who live should live no longer for themselves. See, people who are living for themselves are self-sufficient people, trusting themselves. You know, that's the big big, uh, flesh craving is to figure it out and trust yourself. People trust themselves for their, their salvation instead of trusting Jesus for salvation. Jesus is the start and the finish and everything in between. It's Jesus plus nothing, and you get the whole load you get everything. <clears throat> but we uh, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now notice verse 16. Therefore, from now on, everybody say from now on. No. We regard no one. Turn your neighbor and say, that includes you good looking. <laughs> you wanted to say that, didn't you? Okay, here we go. We regard no one how according to the flesh. See, most of us, Most of us judge people and have our opinions made of people according to the flesh, right? According to the dirt, because we don't believe the power of the rain reveals their righteousness. So we know them according to the dust of their lives. And we judge people and say, no. And we judge ourselves based on the dust that settles, right? But it says, from now on, we regard no one according. You know, I'm learning, try not even to regard me according to the flesh. Because I disappoint me. I'm not, I'm just not that perfect. I live in a world where dust settles on me. I'm trying not to know even me according to my limitations of my flesh. It says, regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Then you all know the next verse, therefore, if any man be in Christ. See, it's talking about the revelation of your acceptance before the Father. And then two verses later, it talks about God was in Christ on the cross, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. See, where most of us 
say people have to qualify for their acceptance, I think most people just need to know they're invited to the table and have the revelation of the love of the Lamb wash over them where they say yes to their acceptance, know they're good to God, and feed on His flesh and drink on His blood and partake of the beauty of what He's done for them. Then faith is there. People receive and then transformation happens in the lives of the people. Look at this, John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching. When you teach on these things like this, when Jesus taught on his death and risenness and feeding on the finished work of the Lamb of God, people didn't like those messages. Because we all like to trust ourselves. We, 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 like, to, we like to put things so rigidly categorized to give us a goosebump that we're good to God based on us. I'm good to God strictly because of the Lamb, in the Lamb alone. Amen, yeah. And so are you. But here's the amazing thing. Look at this. John 6, verse 53. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. He's, he's talking about the cross. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now think of that. If you feed on Him, you have eternal life. Your faith is in Him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Now, that's a pretty good deal. Takes faith to believe it, though. But that's what he said. He'll raise you up the last day. For my flesh is food indeed. See, the finished work of the Lamb of God is your sustenance. It's your strength. And my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me lives because of me. I love this. When Jesus preached, he lost his whole crowd. The whole church left. And so he turns to the disciples. Read it. It's all in John 6. He turns to the disciples and he says, you guys want to split too? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. You got the words of life. They still were clueless about it. They really had no place to go. But when Jesus actually lived out the reality of what he preached, they split. The Bible said when he went to the cross, they all forsook him. And they all fled. So take time to feed on the love of the Lamb. It has to be your priority. Otherwise, you'll see incorrectly. You won't see clearly. Look at Mark 6, 31. He said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. Now, I take this kind of as a, as, a, as a spiritual idea of coming and dining. You know, sometimes we're so busy. Doing things for the Lord, we just don't let the washing of the water of the living word remind us how right we are with God. I like to take communion a lot. When I'm home with Heidi, uh, we take communion every morning when we think about it, which is most mornings. And then I take it sometimes throughout the day. I have it at my office. I, you know, I'll stop at the car. I'll stop somewhere and have communion. I'll have communion when I'm disappointed with me. Amen. See... Let's say, for example, by sake of illustration, that I'm at the house today and I get up and I'm bummed out about something. I had a bad dream about the devil's, you know, worldview about something going to collapse in my life or ministry. Now, I'll have communion and Heidi will say to me, Keith, you're good to God because of the lamb. If she's discouraged, I'll say, Heidi, let's get out the bread. Let's get out the, the, the juice, the wine. And, and listen, you are good to God because of the lamb. Let's drink it up and let's drink it straight no additives. No add-ons. You drink it straight. That's why husbands, if I were you, wives, if I were you, I'd just grab your, your husband. You don't have to make it a big religious deal. 
and pray for, you know, 34 minutes before you do something and sing a song. Just get the stuff out and say, listen, beloved, you're good to God because of the lamb. No more disappointment in you. Drink it up. Have communion. Remind yourself of God's view of you. Jesus is God's opinion of you. And you have to take your place in Christ and get so immersed with the, with the taste of that kind of meal. Because a lot of people just would rather have a goosebump that they did something to feel that they're right with God. You're right with God because of the lamb. Give the Lord another shout, somebody. Hallelujah. It's very, very good. See, we have to... The bad rap Jesus had against his ministry was, was he accepted people as they were. He included people. See, the old covenant excluded people. It was based for the Jewish people. The new covenant included everybody everywhere. Yeah. And it wasn't based on their capacity to do good or be good. Jesus would come and dine with the losers, the lost, the least, the loonies, you know, the loudmouths, the whatever, yeah. the lowlifes. Jesus would, would feast with the sinners. And all he would do is dust them off to show them, you know, to bring the revelation of Christ in you. Look at it, it says, Luke 15, 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. The Pharisees, the religious folks who like to qualify for their righteousness. And the scribes complain. Anytime you complain at grace... And God's love being extended to somebody who's not as good as you and as outwardly clean as you, you're really showing a sign of a Pharisee. When you complain about God's absolute love embracing everybody and announcing the news. I tell you, there's some people that don't understand how we uh, minister sometimes. If I had to qualify who I'm ministering to based on if they're doing right, I wouldn't minister to nobody. I don't think I could even minister to me, you know. I'm just not that good. But when you announce the revelation, you're good to God because of the, it works anywhere. It works when I'm in the Muslim world. It works when I'm in the Asian world. It works anywhere. Amen. You're good to God because of the lamb. Let the living water flow over you and you'll see, my goodness, I look Amen. good. Amen. You're cleaner than you think from God's point of view. Not man's point of view. From God's point of view. Now, let me show you God's point of view. You got a couple more minutes. Who, who, who's got two more minutes? Who give me five? Who give me three and a half hours? Hallelujah. <laughs> Nobody. That's what I thought. Okay, let me show you this. <laughs> let me show you one more come and dine passage. This is the heavenly picnic. Now, I told you I'm going to put some things on your, on your plate that maybe you can't swallow. Now, if you can't swallow this, no problem. But it'll come to you again. It will keep coming to you until you exit this earth arena. The revelation of the finished work of God is so dramatic and so overwhelmingly indescribable. It will keep, it will keep surfacing. God, God will bring other people across your path to put it on your plate. Because he wants your palate to get used to what the cross has done. Now... This is a story about Peter. Remember Peter? He was like the kingpin apostle. Yeah. He, he was the guy who denied the Lord. Really, they all fled. But Peter gets picked on because he, he was cursing everybody out. Remember that? Man, he just chewed everybody out, cussed him out. I know none of you have ever done that. That's why I like you all so much. <laughs> 
But it's amazing how uh, things I've said through the years or through the last couple weeks, you know, it's amazing what your flesh can drag you to at times if you're not bathing yourself in the lamb. And uh, I wish I could say that I've never got angry at people, but, but I have. I, I have. And unfortunately, I, I, I still periodically do. There, there's times where the enemy, you know, so, so messes with me that I don't truly live, you know, in the realm of the spirit. I live sometimes in the flesh. And then what I have to do is awake to my righteousness when, when I fail and realize before the Father I'm good to God and awake to my righteousness and then I'll not sin. I'll not, I'll not be given to these things that trip me up and cause pain, you know, uh, among people and really give the devil access in my life. But since I'm just testifying about me, I will not talk about you because that would take us several weeks. No, I wouldn't. Anyway, anyway look, look, at, look at this. This is the heavenly picnic. Peter now, in his failure and frailty, showed up on the day of Pentecost. You know, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, began to speak in other tongues. They proclaimed the wonderful works of Jesus Christ in various languages that people heard them in their own native tongues, right? And then Peter stood and preached. He preached Jesus crucified and risen. And the Bible says 3,000 people were saved. Peter preached, and, and Peter said, you can be saved from this crooked and perverse generation. Yeah. So the saving was from the trap the enemy has in your flesh in this earth. To understand your identity before the Father as a new creation, being born again, being in Christ Jesus. Now, Peter, even though he's the kingpin apostle, still didn't get the message of the cross. So I believe the Father was prompting him along the way. Peter didn't have perfect uh, worldview of the cross at Pentecost. See, some, to me, repentance isn't just to, you know, get on my knees and say, God, I'm such a loser. I'm a no good, low life. I'm a loser. I've sinned again. I'm never going to work. I've, I've repented of this a thousand. No, I'm not talking about repentance that way. I'm talking about changing the way you think. When you repent and believe the gospel, Jesus is saying, change the way you think about what my work has done on your behalf. So God's trying to get Peter to repent through a process. In most theologians, some say Acts 10 that we're talking about now is anywhere from two to 10 years after Acts 2. Most believe it was a longer time, like 10 years. Now think about this. God's trying to get Peter to change his worldview for 10 years after he preaches on the day of Pentecost and he still didn't get it. So he couldn't take the nudges that he would put on Peter's plate. Peter kept passing it, so God decides, let's put him out. God sedates him. God puts him down for a count. It's called a trance. So in a trance, God shows up to him, and you know the story, he brings a heavenly picnic. Right, and so the heavenly picnic comes before him. He's trying to say, come and eat this now. And Peter rises up. You know, it was all these unclean animals according to the word, according to the Jewish word, the law. Okay, the law of Moses. It was all unclean. And Peter rise up in his trance, in his vision, and say, not so, Lord. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have nothing to do with this. In other words, he passed the plate. And the father said, okay, fine. But he kept him sedated. Then he brought the plate around again. And Peter said, no, 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 thank you. I can't eat any of that. No, that's unclean, Lord. See, he's seen things through his worldview of exteriors. And he passed the plate the third time it happened. And he finally got the message. Look at the message. This is what it, what it says now. This is Peter's vision, Acts 10, 
Verse 9, the next day as they went on their journey, drew near to the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry. He wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, and the voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Heavenly banquet. Peter said, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common or unclean. Now, this happened three times. God's word to Peter is what I have cleansed from my perspective, don't call dirty. Now, some people think this is God giving us liberty in the new covenant so we can have shrimp and shellfish and beef and pork. This, I mean, you can have all that you want to the pure all things are pure. Eat, drink, and be merry. Go, go, go for it. No, no problem. But God didn't send Jesus to the cross so you could have your favorite sushi. The picture is of the lamb and what God says, what I've cleansed, don't you call dirty. Then Peter understands the revelation when the Gentiles come that they're accepted and from God's perspective, they're clean to God. In fact, he talks when he goes to Cornelius's house. He said, it's unlawful for me to hang out with you dudes, but God has showed me. What he has cleansed, don't call dirty. Let me ask you this. Do you have the capacity by faith to eat that? Can you, can you see people clean from God's perspective while they're dirty from the outside? Can you see my car clean when you actually see it dirty? Can you see yourself clean after you got angry? If you can renew your mind to that, it will bring you back to feet on the table and it will give you victory over the unclean things that try to visit you. When you awake to your righteous position, you will not sin. You sin not. It doesn't have the same grip on you. But the beautiful thing, that's why when I preach in the nations of the world, I choose to see people clean from God's perspective. That's why when I'm in the Middle East sitting with all these precious Muslim Syrian guys and we're dining together, I don't tell them what's wrong with them. I tell them what's right about them. I say, you look good to God because of the lamb. God himself has got nothing on you because of the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. You explain things. Faith comes, they believe and receive. They change the way they're thinking. They repent and they get born again. I preach way too long. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Say this with me. Thank you, Father. I'm blessed. I'm sitting at your table. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. And I'm going to be merry. I'm going to feed on the Lamb of God. The love of the Lamb is the treasure. I am good to God because of the Lamb of God. By faith, I believe, I receive, I am in Christ. I am born again. I'm a new creation. I am good to God because of the lamb. Help me to feed on your love for me. Every day, throughout my day, I am accepted. I am welcome because of the lamb of God. Help me to see people 
even though dirty, let me see them from your perspective and call them clean because what God has cleansed, let no one call common. Thank you, Father, for your massive love for me. I am loved. I'm accepted. I am healed. I am blessed. Favor has found me. Glory is in my future. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I give you praise on this super Sunday for this super meal. The Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen.